All right, let's look together in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. The Word of God says this, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Have you ever had a stressful day at work? I wish we had a little more time for everybody to share their stories because there are different stresses on different jobs, right? I can't imagine, since Esther, if something goes wrong there, how stressful that would be in what they do, right? Or Dustin driving a truck. Uh, I'm sure there's some stressful moments <laughs> in that kind of thing too. Michael's stress is just bullets flying by him. That's no big deal, right, that he's been through. Um, we all have different stresses, right? And so when, when we interview people, I'm usually part of the interview process for a new text that we're going to hire into our school district. And so one of the questions I always try to put them through is a, what is a stressful day? I almost pulled it out today. I did. I'm going to let you know about it in case you want to go watch it later. There's actually a YouTube video, uh, I believe it's like of somebody over in, in Europe, and it's when the, the, the book is invented, and they go from scrolls to a book. The, the technology changes, and the guy's trying to open the book, and he can't figure out the book and how the pages work. And then he has a help desk person come, come in and help him read the book. <laughs> so you might check that out. What we do for our people is we'll present a day like this. What would you do if you're getting out of your car on Monday morning, and as you walk through the door, you have probably three teachers that come and hit you up with three different requests? My digital camera isn't working, my student's iPad can't get on the Wi-Fi, and my projector in my room is showing a real strange picture. So they hit you right when you walk in. You go ahead and make it to your desk initially just to see what's there. When you get to your desk, you see that there's already two notes from two other teachers. While you're at the desk, the principal calls and says he has scheduled a meeting that he didn't tell you about that was going to start in five minutes in the LGI. Can you make sure that it's set up and ready to go? And one of the teachers says, well, we also are doing state testing today and we're having some issues, so can you take care of our kids? Which situation do you handle first? <laughs> when he says the principal, right? It is a really interesting day. And you, you may think, well, that's a little overkill. I'm going to tell you that there are many days that are like that for our techs when they come in the door. And some of those days, they don't end till the end of the day. The day goes really fast. It's nice for that reason. But it can be a manic, stressful, crazy Monday. Have you ever had stress on your job? That's the stupidest question ever, right? Everybody has stress on your job. Today, what we want to look about is how do we handle the stress on the job and how do we approach our job as serving the Lord and not just serving our uh, earthly bosses, okay? And I'm going to take you through some scriptures, give you a couple scenarios to think about. But again, please approach us in prayer this morning that the Lord would touch your heart and he would speak to you what you need to hear. The first thing, the first principle we want to see today is that we need to work for the Lord. You are working for the Lord. Let me read the passage again we started with, this time out of NIV. And the scripture says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey 
Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord and not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. Okay? Now today, I want you to have a little liberty with the preacher, hopefully a little bit. This passage is talking directly about slaves and free men. And usually, in the Bible times, we're talking about slaves. It's usually a, a debt slave. Do you know what a debt slave is? So like, I owe Robert $1,000. Robert says, hey, where's my $1,000? It's been six months. I'm like, I haven't got it. So then I would go, and I would be Robert's servant until I work off the debt that I owe him, okay? Um, the scripture does in other places clearly say that if a slave can get their freedom, let them get their freedom. So we're not endorsing in any way slavery. Slavery is not a good thing. But this is an incredible passage that reminds us uh, about our work as well. Do you ever feel like a slave at work? <laughs> may depend on who's in charge and how they run the show, right? Okay. As you approach the people who are over you in your life, maybe it's a teacher uh, maybe it's an authoritarian person like a police officer or some sort of government. These are all good principles that we could think about as we look at this passage. So again, I think this is a great application to the work environment, and that's how I want you to look at it just briefly with me today. How should you treat your boss or the people that you do business with? Uh, even this week, it was really funny to hear our daughter. She's actually, Brooklyn got a promotion, so we're all excited about her getting a promotion. So now she's in charge of like two people. And she was like, oh, uh, they didn't talk too good about the last boss, but they really like me. We're like, oh. <laughs> right? Sometimes you, that's part of, of uh, being a servant is that you talk about the boss, right? So today, again, I want you to think about these things with me just a little bit. You should treat people like this with respect, with fear, with sincerity of heart. If you're paying attention, I didn't make that up. We just read that twice. Did you catch that? Treat them with respect, with fear, and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Now, some of us may think our boss has a Messiah complex, right? <laughs> when we serve the Lord... That means when we serve our bosses, we do the work for the Lord, not for the boss. If you can change your mindset to do that, it will transform how you work. You hear me today? If you hear this, you can tune out the rest of the message. This is the key. If you can work for the Lord rather than working for your boss, it will change how you work. And that's exactly what Paul is saying to the people here who are in slavery. He's telling them to serve as their master, as, as if he were the Lord, because you're working for the Lord, not for them. So that, this is a really probably a strange question, but hear me out this morning. Do you treat your boss like you treat Jesus? Again, respect, fear, sincerity of heart. If you don't have a boss, do you do your work as though the Lord is your boss? All right. Would you do things differently for the Lord than you would for other people? If you were a car detailer, do you kind of cut corners? But if it's a really important person, then you do it really well, right? 
Uh, in the tech, computer tech world, do you just like keep uh, say, well, have you tried this? And then you keep trying to give them a bunch of things to try so you don't have to really solve the problem? Or do you really try to fix it? Right? You guys make the application in your space because we all know that there's times where we might cut corners or push things aside rather than really doing things with all of our heart. Again, think about these things today. Paul reminds us to obey, to serve well, and this is really good here, not only when our bosses are watching, but also when no one is watching. Well, my preacher, when I was a kid, his name was Ed Hollis, and I'll never, I don't remember a lot of what he said, but I remember this. He said, character is what you are when nobody else is watching. <laughs> That's pretty good, isn't it? So at work, if you think nobody else is watching what you're doing, are you still doing what you need to be doing? Again, you're serving the Lord, not just that place you work for. That is applied as good even in your own home, right? At 11 o'clock at night and the kids are asleep and the wife's in bed and you're still up, who are you? When nobody else is watching, who are you, right? The, Paul reminds us here, the Lord reminds us through Paul that we need to serve well even when nobody is watching. Now, think about this too, along the same lines, and this happens a lot in our business, I don't know about yours. We need to serve well, not only when we know we will get the credit, but also when we know that we won't get the credit. Ever bother you? This is hard for your preacher. I'll come up with an idea, and I'll share that, out that idea with some friends, and the next thing you know, the idea goes up the chain, oh, that was a great idea, and somebody else gets the credit for the idea. And I want to shout out, that was me! I thought of that! Right? A lot of pride there, isn't there, right? If you're serving the Lord, then getting the credit shouldn't be what it's about. That's hard for me. But again, a good reminder today, as we serve the Lord, we need to serve Him when nobody else is watching. We need to serve Him when we, we may not even get the credit. Let me give you a first scenario here this morning. I just got two, but one for you to think about. And I want you to think, if you were Barbara's coworker or friend, what would you say to her? What advice would you give to her? Barbara is an employee in a certain government department. She feels that her superior does not give women fair opportunities. And five times now, he has promoted men at her level, but each time missing her. She is very angry but she doesn't want to go through a legal challenge or notify a higher level superior. In other words, go over his head. However, due to this disappointment and bitterness and anger, she finds that her motivation level is decreasing each day at work. She is drifting towards an attitude that expresses, I just don't care anymore. Her lunch breaks are becoming longer, in fact, longer than allowed at work, but she feels the government owes it to her for what she has been through. At work, her mind frequently wanders as she thinks of how she would like to give her boss a piece of her mind, and subtly, she hopes to get revenge one day. If you were Barb's coworker or friend, what could you share with her? Right? Does she have a right to be upset? Absolutely, right? If it's legitimate. I mean, if she is really getting passed over because not because of her skills, but because she's a woman, she has a right to be angry with that. But does she have a right to take advantage of her company by just taking longer hours and by not working as hard? 
If you've ever done that on your job, you've taken advantage of things because you thought it was owed to you. When Billy Sunday would do revivals, you guys know Billy Sunday? He's back in the early 1900s, like 1910s, 1920s. He was a revival preacher. He preached one time revival in New York. 97,000 people came to Christ. Can you imagine? My dad, where we grew up in Decatur, Illinois, Billy Sunday one time came through Decatur. And they said that after Billy Sunday came through Decatur, Caterpillar, all their tools came back to work and they had more tools than they'd ever had. People had been taking things because they thought they deserved it, because they thought they had been mistreated, because they had a reason to justify. It wasn't just that they were stealing it, but it was like, well, I can borrow this or I can use this because I don't get paid enough or I don't get the holidays I deserve or I get mistreated. So you know what? I'm going to make it even. And when revival came through, (laughs) all that stuff came back. Isn't that interesting? Do we do that? On our jobs, do we try to even things out sometimes because we think we're being mistreated? So we take advantage in other areas? Again, this may sound trite or simple, but what would the Lord do, right? What would Jesus do in these situations? That's who our our patterns should be. Let me give you a couple things to think about that maybe you could share with Barbara or maybe just stir your mind up just a little bit. Um, Again, Barbara being that government employee, we are to do the will of God from our heart. And sometimes we should tear down the walls. Again, we've been talking about this between the sacred and the secular. We need to be that living sacrifice and fill our mind with the good things that help us determine what is best so we can do the will of God. And I would encourage in Barbara's situation to give a wholehearted effort, not a half-hearted attempt. How would you do the task if Jesus was asking you to get it done? Guess what? You are working for the Lord. Look here in Colossians chapter 3. And again, we'll cover this in a few weeks on Wednesday night too. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you to win their favor, but when sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Again, this is Paul, but in a whole different book. Verse 23. Whatever you do, you guys probably know this, Work at it with how much of your heart? With all of your heart, as working for the Lord and not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Both of these passages, both of these letters that Paul wrote, he wrote to these churches and said, I know this is an issue you're dealing with. When you serve, you serve as you're serving the Lord. And so the challenge in Barb's situation is, yeah, maybe she does need to go through some policies and take care of some business there. And at the same time, she needs to remember that she has to keep working for the Lord, even when it's hard and it's difficult. And that's probably how we can encourage each other in those situations. All right, we've looked at working for the Lord. Let's look at working for believers, working for believers. First Timothy chapter six, verse two, and Paul writes to Timothy, he says, those who have believing masters are not to show less respect for them because they are brothers. Instead, they are to serve them even better because those who benefit from their service are believers and dear to them. These are the things you are to teach and urge upon them. Do you ever take advantage of believers? You want me to get really, you want me to meddle? You got your hard uh, shoes on this morning? One of the people that sometimes we take the most advantage of who are believers is our own family. Sometimes we give our best energy, our best effort for other people, and we neglect the people that are closest to us. We just take them for granted. 
right? That's what Paul is addressing here in Timothy. He says, as you are working for someone, if they're a believing master, just because they're a believer and you are part of the same family, don't take them for granted. As a matter of fact, he says, do them even better because they are part of your family. We should show the greatest respect when working for other believers, and they should be dear to us. Do you think this impacts your witness? If your boss is a believer and you don't work for them, how does that show itself to other people? And the flip side is true. If your boss is a believer and you work really hard for them, how does that show? I worded it this way so you could read along if you like. If somebody sees a Christian worker, quote unquote, slacking off all the time because their boss is a Christian and they know they can get away with it, what will that say to unbelieving workers? But the opposite is also true. If someone sees a worker showing great respect to a believing boss, it will only add to their witness. One of the best testimonies I have of the college that I went to and Wendy went to where Isaiah is at now was that when I went down there, there was always jobs for Welch students. Like there was no problem for getting a job. Uh, I went in and I pulled up a thing and I went to a guy's house and started doing random jobs and he always went back to the Bible college to hire those college kids because they were great workers. Because they had a reputation of being great workers, it provided a legacy for other people. Wendy could tell you the same thing about the teachers. Teachers all around Nashville, schools all around Nashville would hire, hire Welch teachers because they knew they were well-trained, they knew they had good experience, and they knew they had integrity. And their work ethic gave them an advantage, right? It glorified the Lord and also opened opportunity. You are leaving a legacy with your jobs today as well, Okay. So you're not just working hard for yourself, but if you're working well, you leave a good reputation. Other people coming your way that are also a Christian, your boss might say, hey, I want Christian workers because I know how they are. Wouldn't that be great if that's who bosses chose first because they knew they had integrity, they knew they wouldn't steal, they knew they'd give a full day's work, they knew that they would be professional and respectful. That's the reputation that a Christian worker ought to have. It ought to be no problem for Christian workers to get a job because that ought to be the people that they should be. Amen? And that's the point here I think that Paul would remind us today. Even when I worked in Salem, we were able to bring on a, a, one of the ladies from our church because of the reputation that our school had, our college had with that school. What kind of reputation are you leaving for those Christians who may follow you? Can I say the opposite again is also true, Right? I don't go into great detail, but I worked in one of my school districts I worked in. There was a guy who was always spouting his mouth about his Christianity, but he was a complete slacker at his job, and everything was all about magnifying himself and not serving other people. And there were people that I had a really hard time being a witness to because they were in the same building with the other guy, and he was calling himself a Christian. Right? You guys, it matters. Your work matters to God. And the job that you do, if you are claiming to be a Christian, do it under the Lord and it will make a difference. All right. So working for believers, we want to work for them with great respect. The last one this morning we're going to talk about just briefly is working without complaining. We have any complainers or murmurers in here? Maybe we should just go home, cut this sermon short. Is that what you're thinking? All right. If you are around a group a group workplace for very long. I know not everybody's in that spot. You'll quickly get sucked into the quagmire of murmuring, complaining, and whining. Let me give you just a little bit of my work experience. So in high school, I worked at a Bible bookstore. 
And there was about this much complaining there. When I still think of those people, I think of the positive attitude that they brought to work. They didn't have to do that. There was plenty of stuff that they could have complained about all the time, but they, they, they had prayer in the morning together. Can you imagine that? Your workforce comes together. You have a devotion and a prayer every morning. I kind of start your day off pretty good praying with each other, right? And so that was a really special place. Then when I was in seminary, I worked at a place known as Toys R Us, which is bankrupt now. <laughs> Anybody ever heard of Toys R Us? Let's just say I have a feeling like the Navy and the coal mines had nothing on the mouths in Toys R Us where I worked at, okay? So they did complaining, but they probably more than complaining, they didn't work (laughs) half the time. They just didn't work. That was my second experience. But let me tell you this, the place where I heard the most complaining was when I worked over in Southern Illinois in a school district. And if I went in the lunchroom with the teachers on a regular basis, I've never heard so much complaining in my life. I actually decided I would eat lunch at home so much because I got tired of being in that lunchroom. And they had reason to complain for things, but it just began that kind of thing where it grew, right? If you fed off of it. Oh, on this, why do they do this? I can't believe this. And, and Mr. Rippy, one of our science teachers, he would always recognize, he, he could say, oh, I know you're, this is your first year here because you are way too happy. He could tell that over time, you were going to get sucked in and you were going to be bitter and tired, worn out, and you were going to be that type of a teacher. Now, it's not nearly as bad where I'm at now, but it was pretty rough over there in southern Illinois. Are you working without complaining? Wendy mentioned last night that, well, our golden retriever, he does a lot of complaining too. So I don't know if he learned that from us or not. <laughs> if you want to hear the latest problems of the world, I would say step in a teacher's lounge for just a few minutes. What do you think the Lord thinks of this on any, any job setting? What does the Lord think about complaining and murmuring and whining? Let me give you another scenario this morning. Kathy is a nurse who works at a nearby hospital. Her supervisor is a very difficult person to get along with. She's always gruff and regularly unkind. No one really likes her. And Kathy has a young child and also a husband, so she has a lot to balance. And normally she works the day shift from 8 to 4, But when she does, often her supervisor makes the nurses stay until 5.30 or sometimes up to 6 p.m. This makes for a late night for dinner and homework for the rest of the family, and not to mention the added fatigue for Kathy. She is a person who wants to follow Christ, but her supervisor is making life very hard. It's not just the long hours, it's the ungrateful and disrespectful attitude she is trying to cope with. She comes to you for advice. What do you tell Kathy? Stick it to the man. Is that what you say? You say, yeah, I see that too. That lady's horrible. She ought to, somebody ought to do her in. Is that what you do? You kind of feed into that? Hmm. Yeah, can you hear me? This is interesting because I think I've changed my opinion a little bit. I'm actually growing, growing a little over time, right? Um, there's definitely a place for boundaries in our life. Can you hear me today? Just because you claim to be a Christian doesn't mean the Lord intends for you to be walked over by everybody in every path. And that's why we have work goals and we have professional outlines and policies and stuff at work. So if somebody that is your superior is abusing those things, you have every right to file a regular complaint and do things professionally and with respect. I wouldn't have said that before, but you're hearing me today, okay? At the same time, what we have to guard ourselves against is growing that bitter heart and spirit to where we get like Barb was in the first illustration, right? I'm not going to work as hard. Could you imagine a nurse not working as hard, what that could mean? 
right? I'm not going to give my full time. I'm going to take extended lunch. I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to show them. It's trying to keep that heart attitude good even when the people that we're serving may not be treating us with respect. Well, what does the scripture say? What do you think the Lord would do? We do need to be able to set appropriate boundaries without jumping into the bitterness and the complaining pool. Here's what I want to remind you of. We talked about this the first week. We need to find the will of God and do it. Again, hear me what I'm saying, but I think this is the thing that might encourage her. Maybe we would tell Kathy, are you praying for your enemies? That boss that's driving you nuts and they're just crazy and they don't seem to be respectful, have you been praying for them? Or you just been wishing bad things on them? Guess what happens if you start getting on your knees for that person? You might see some changes that you weren't expecting, right? I would challenge you to pray for those who maybe aren't treating you well. Maybe you would even tell Kathy, hey, there are some avenues here that you need to address that are appropriate and are okay that will help you to keep from getting bitter. Or maybe you might read a reference like this. This is Philippians chapter 2. This just wears me out. Philippians 2.14, what's it say? Do everything without complaining or arguing. I don't like that second word. Did you see that? Go back to that, Dan, just for a second. Verse 14. Do some things without complaining. Do a few things without complaining. <laughs> Do everything without complaining or arguing. Verse 15, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault, in a crooked and depraved or perverse generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing or run in vain. That's an awesome passage, isn't it? If you will fill yourself with the Holy Spirit enough that you can be in a very difficult situation where most people are bitter and they're complaining and they're murmuring and they're whining, but you just handle things professionally and you do your job for the Lord, the scripture says you will shine like a star. I'm going to guarantee you, you will. We have some people in our department even that they just stand out because they stay positive when everybody else gravitates to the negative. They just stand out. Everybody likes to be around them. Everybody likes them on their team <laughs> because it just lifts everybody up. You will stand out. Well, how much more so if you're standing out because of Jesus? If you're claiming to be a Christian and people know that and then they know you have a positive attitude and a positive work ethic, even when things aren't going great, you're going to shine like stars in a crooked and perverse generation. And I would encourage us all to, to try harder with the Lord's help, with His Spirit's help, to not complain, not to argue, even when we feel like we have a right to do those things. What is more crooked and depraved than your workplace? Right? For some of you, that is, that's the, that's the world, isn't it, right? Your neighborhood or your family, you probably have people that you love. Here at church, you have a safe space. But for a lot of us, the hardest place we usually go to is our workplace. Again, how are you shining in that place? If Paul said this about his day, how much more even does it apply to ours? You don't stand out by complaining and whining about everything that doesn't go your way. You just fit in really good with the world, don't you? Right. Hopefully the Lord challenge your heart today to not be that person. You will stand out when the rest of work is constantly murmuring and you work with joy in your life. You definitely will. And let me just say this briefly too. This doesn't always make you popular either, right? There's a pressure to fit in, isn't there? 
And when you don't fit in with that pressure, then you might make other people start to feel bad about themselves. And sometimes that results in aggravation or conflict. Some people might even accuse you of siding with management or something of that nature or not being on their side. But today I want to remind you this. You've got to decide who are you working for. And you can very clearly tell, I'm not working for that boss. I'm not working for this company. I am working for Jesus. That's why I'm working the hard way that I do. He's the one I'm accountable to. He's the one I got to give my life for. And he's the one, as the scripture said in both places, who's going to reward me. Right? You want to work for a paycheck? Do you want to work for a weekend? Or do you want to work for an eternal crown of glory? Make the decision of how you want to work. Again, I want to remind you today, if you choose to follow Christ, you have already become a slave. Let's look briefly here at Romans chapter 6, a reminder that we are slaves of Jesus. Romans chapter 6, verse 20, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin, have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is what? Eternal life. That's the reward. Verse 23, you know this by heart. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What a great scripture, right? Hear me out as I conclude today. God wants to do a great work in our day, and I believe he wants to do a great work right here. When I saw that little Zoe for Christmas Eve, <laughs> you guys, there's all kinds of people right around us that need the Lord, and there are people that the Lord will send to help us, but we've got to ask the Lord, and we've got to own up and do our part. And maybe part of our part is not being a complainer and a whiner, but really working with all of our heart in whatever job the Lord has given us. I can promise you this. If you will work for the Lord, it will not always be easy. As a matter of fact, as we learn to live out God's will for our lives, I can guarantee that he's going to take some of us through some dark places so we can shine his light there, right? Going to see the homeless sometimes can be kind of a dark place, can it? The Lord brings us to those places to shine our lights. I would love for some of you to take the light into homes where kids are being neglected and mistreated and abused. Andrew even had a prayer request that way this morning, didn't he? God may take us, some of us, into those places. I would like for some of us to take the light into places where young moms are thinking about giving up on the child in their womb. Diane reminded us today, didn't she? We need to take that light into some of those places. I would love for some of you to make your way to the roughest part of town, the wrong side of the tracks. Love the unlovely that they might see Jesus in us. And I know some of you are already working in places where you're connected with the hurting and you're working with people who are in a very dark place. And what I'm asking of you today is all the Lord ever asks you to do, and that is to follow him with all your heart. Make sure God has all of you. I want to read you this last little poem today, and we'll be dismissed here in just a moment. I've read this a long time ago, and I read it again, and it, it just kind of sticks. And it really challenges the complacency in me and the, the part of me that just wants to do a little bit and not do the whole way. And... Hopefully this will encourage you to give everything you have to serve the Lord. It's called When I Became a Christian by Adrian Plass. He says, when I became a Christian, I said, Lord, now fill me in. Tell me what I'll suffer in this world of shame and sin. He said, your body may be killed and left to rot and stink. Do you still want to follow me? I said, amen. I think 
I think amen. Amen, I think. I think I say amen. I'm not completely sure. Can you just run through that again? You say my body may be killed and left to rot and stink? Well, yes, that that sounds terrific. Lord, I say amen. I think. But Lord, there must be other ways to follow you, I said. I would really prefer to end up dying in my bed. Well, yes, he said, you could put up with sneers and scorn and spit. Do you still want to follow me? I said, amen, a bit, a bit, amen, amen, a bit, a a bit, I say amen. I'm not completely sure. Can you just run through that again? You say I could put up with sneers and also scorn and spit? Well, yes, I've made up my mind. I say amen, a bit. Well, I sat back and thought a while and tried a different ploy. Now, Lord, I said, the good book says that Christians live in joy. That's true. He said, you need the joy to bear the pain and sorrow. So do you still want to follow me? I said, amen. Tomorrow. (laughs) Tomorrow, Lord, I'll say it then. That's when I'll say amen. I need to get it clear. Can I just run through that again? You said I need the joy to bear the pain and sorrow. Well, yes, I think I've got it straight. I'll say amen tomorrow. He said, look, I'm not asking you to spend an hour with me, a quick salvation sandwich and a cup of sanctity. The cost is you, not half of you, but every single bit. Now tell me, will you follow me? I said, amen. I quit. I'm very sorry, Lord. I said, I'd like to follow you, but I don't think religion is a manly thing to do. He said, forget religion then. And think about my son. And tell me if you're man enough to do what he has done. Are you man enough to see the need and man enough to go? Are you man enough to care for those whom no one wants to know? Are you man enough to say the thing that people hate to hear, to battle through Gethsemane and loneliness and fear? And listen, are you man enough to stand it at the end, the moment of betrayal by the kisses of a friend? Are you man enough to hold your tongue and man enough to cry? When the nails break your body, are you man enough to die? Man enough to take the pain and wear it like a crown. Man enough to love the world and turn it upside down. Are you man enough to follow me? I ask you once again. I said, oh, Lord, I'm frightened. But I also said, amen. Amen, 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 amen. Amen, amen, amen. I said, oh, Lord, I'm frightened. But I also said, amen. How much of the Lord are you going to give of yourself? A bit? You're going to tell him tomorrow? (laughs) You're going to tell him you think? What did Jesus do for us? He gave everything for us to be redeemed, right? What all can we only do for him but to give him everything in return? Ephesians 6, 7, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. Let's stand this morning and pray. Amen is right. The Lord has challenged your heart today and you want to come forward and pray, do that. You can pray where you're standing. But just make sure today that you're giving all of your heart to the Lord. If you're dealing with some complaining and murmuring or you're being mistreated at work, 
Take that to the Lord today. If you're concerned about your boss and maybe where they're at and how they're treating your coworkers, pray for your boss or your company. And then maybe you have some coworkers that you're really concerned about today and pray for them that God will, will touch them too. Let's take a little time together today to pray. Thank mm-hmm. you.